World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm Jeff. I'm the host of it. I'm, I hope that you're having a, you know, good new year. I said that last episode, didn't I? Probably. Anyway, this is the podcast where we talk about uh, creepypasta. Usually they're very bad, uh, but, you know, sometimes they're good. This In this case, it's going to be interesting because I think the story itself was probably, you know, decent, but the performance of it, I think, did a disservice. It was like a high quality performance that I think was mismatched with the story. Uh, it's from the No Sleep Reddit. Weirdly, it only has 55 upvotes, um, but it is one of the ones that people talk about as a favorite because it was featured on the No Sleep podcast season five, I believe. Let me go back to my Google search. Season five, episode four, uh, read by Peter Lewis. The story is written by David Sharrock, uh, who is Reddit user Suddenly Satan which is fun. Um, (laughs) And it's, you know, uh, it's interesting because we've had ones that are very popular among listeners to the No Sleep podcast, but were not popular on the Reddit. Some have not appeared on the Reddit at all, which is also interesting. Like the the anime body pillow story was not on the subreddit. We had, uh, well, I had a very proactive guest who reached out to the producers of the podcast for a written version to refer to while we were recording, which was very nice. Uh, But that was an original piece just for the show. And that's interesting, just the sort of, I don't even want to say disconnect, because that sounds negative, but it doesn't always match up what's popular on that podcast with what's popular on the Reddit, because I think that stories are submitted directly to the podcast. They don't necessarily have to be on the Reddit. And you can post it on the Reddit and then just submit it to the podcast. And if they, if the podcast producers like it, they'll record it. Uh, so it doesn't matter if the people on Reddit liked it at all. Anyway, the story we are covering <laughs> is called Mummer Man. And with me to talk about it, returning from the last couple episodes and before, is Brittany Miller. Hello! Uh, Brittany, why don't you start us off with what this story is about uh, on its face, and we'll get into maybe what it is about deeper than that. Okay. (laughs) I can certainly start us out, but you might have to help me with the end, because it just gets a little crazy. Um, So, the main character is in a book club. He just joined a local book club um, in the hopes of meeting some new folks. Um, And in the book club, they take turns choosing a book that everyone reads and talks about. Um, it's this guy's turn, the main character's turn, and he goes to a bookstore. Um, he goes to the section, I think it was called, ugh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was just about, like, it was weird books and mysteries and magic and, um, Esoteria books of kind of a, was the, yes, the, yes, what the bookcase was labeled. Um, yeah, so it was just kind of a mysterious, like, magical type mystery things. Um, and he finds this old, crusty, leather bound book. Um, and buys it. And I think it was a magic guide or black magic. Um, yeah, it's, it's by Eric von Daniken. 
Daniken? No, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, is that? Yeah, Eric von Daniken, Ancient Aliens, is the yes. uh, the book. Um, and I think it, that's the book, right? He doesn't get two books. Yeah, um, I think that's just the one because he takes it out, and then when they're examining it, they discover this uh, yeah this Ouija board and a, a poem on it. Yeah, and the poem was pretty creepy, and I think I think a, a um it was well written. I liked it, and I liked the rhyming, and I liked kind of the I don't know. It was a good poem. Um, yeah, it felt very Lewis Carroll. I think that the it po- did. The poem is definitely the best part of it, uh, and in even in the reading, which I thought was too um, idiosyncratic and weird for yes. the story, the that voice definitely fit the tone of the poem and the end of the story. But like yes. the, the way he delivers some of the lines in the beginning, where it seems pretty normal, um, <laughs> like there's a couple weird things. Like where do I start with this? He won't tell me, so I'll start at the beginning, and that right. that lets you know that something is unusual. But for the most part, it's like a pretty straightforward narrative, and I wish that the narration had also been straightforward until things start to get weird. Right, right. And yeah, the you're right. The poem was very Lewis Carroll with the kind of the words that they made up. And Yeah, I guess we um, could just read it here. Let's, uh, sure. Dost thou seek the mummer, ma'am, larking in the gimcrack land? What a gawk, that son of Pan. Let's haul him forth. Let's drag him down. Let's speak together. Together, a timbrous clan calling forth the mummer man. Let's say together that bacchanal, hoy hoy two three, around and round. All fingers now upon the planchette, speak again with voices dulcet. Mummer man, we call you, lad, come play with us and make us glad. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the group is um, uh, sort of toying with the idea of putting the the like planchette on the board and doing the chant and then they ultimately yes. do it and then and then oh my gosh so is it Tara Tara is the coordinator of the book club um she immediately she refuses s- to participate yeah yeah refuses to participate um and i think she she sees him right um, yeah. And she's the only one who can see him. She starts freaking out. Um, and that that was... I, it's really hard for me to understand this part of the story because as soon as they start messing with the Ouija board and they read the poem and they start messing with this, like, black magic... Um, things get a little weird in the narration. Um, the, the main character gets kind of inconsistent with his emotions. Um, yeah, he's, he's like, uh, this is, come on, stop messing with us. And then immediately he takes out his phone to take a photo of the mummer man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's strange. Um, so yeah, they took a photo. Um, and then it was, I don't know, it's kind of strange. It just changed and he was like, clickety click, everything changes lickety split. And I don't know if the main character was yeah, saying that. I guess that's like, cause he's writing this after having fallen into Mummer Madness. Right. So. Yeah. I, I guess that is sort of the idea behind the narration being weird even before things pop off. Yes, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and it just kind of, uh, I don't know, it just gets confusing from there. That's why I, I can only explain the beginning. Um, yeah, okay, they- sure. So after this, he sort of talks about this 
reality breaking. Like, uh, this paragraph starts, imagine you were living a life when one day you find a door to another world, but that world is reality and yours is a sham. And it's so, the like, he just starts giving us all of this imagery that is sort of violent and spooky yeah. and then, um, says this is how I felt and uh, you can buy my feeling if you like 50p to you <laughs> like come on um, he gets a little crazy like he's losing his mind and there is I, I didn't see this before but there is a picture associated with this uh-huh. I'm, I'm clicking There's on two. now um, okay cool the Mara Man is a photoshopped dolphin yeah. Um, so, do you, did you see both of them? Uh, no, I'm just clicking the first one now because I listened to the audio version, and that ah. doesn't have photos. Um, it's interesting. Um, I'm wondering if this author lives in a place where they still have the Mummers Parade in the New Year. Um, what but is that? A bunch of, uh, it's a, a Phila- Philadelphia local thing where uh, people dress up in fancy, sort of, I almost want to say, like, Mardi Gras type outfits, and they have a big parade. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it being an old tradition, only recently stopped letting people uh, in the parade who do blackface costumes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Philadelphia is wild. It's a weird place. Um, Yikes. <laughs> so he shows the picture of the uh, Mummer Man and then de- describes this weird situation of the Mummer Man coming into the room and all this weird imagery and everyone's trying mm-hmm. to get away and they're all screaming. And then they run for the door and it's so weird. It's like time and space sort of warp. They end up places where they don't know where they are. Yeah. And um, they get outside, and then suddenly they're back inside, and the... And it um, seems like they're, like, trapped there, and the Mummer Man is making them do things they don't want to do, and... Yeah, exactly. Uh, There's this talk about how it's been days, suddenly. Uh, It's very weird. Um, Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. The second photo, too, they show, I think it's toward the end. He looks like some sort of, like, goblin shark thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if, you, if you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a um, uh, dolphin where they photoshopped the eyes, and, uh, the eyes off and teeth on and then added the top. <laughs> the top part of a shark to the top of the dolphin's head and then a big, like, frog style eye. Uh, (laughs) It's very, it's not like, it's sort of a creepy image, but (laughs) It's kind of funny looking. Yeah, it's not essential to the piece, I don't think. When I I heard the name The Mummer Man, I was imagining The Crooked Man from The Conjuring 2. Uh, Mm. Have you you seen that movie? Yes, I have. Okay, you remember the big, weird... Uh, spooky circus guy that like yes! walks through the house. Oh uh, my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Well, he's getting a spinoff too, but like, oh wow, that is what I imagined when <laughs> they describe. Uh, well, when they ju- just like based on the name of the Mummer Man, I'm right, imagining right. like a rickety spooky circus guy. And yeah, that's... and based off the poem, that's kind of like playful but creepy. And yeah, exactly. Right. But we don't get that instead. <laughs> instead we get no. <laughs> weird dolphin goblin guy and it's yeah. just you know 
and bizarre. it's making the main character type for some reason and yeah. it's like threatening them and I see I don't know if any of these things actually happened where like I think it was what what was the um the book club lady's name was it Tara Tara yeah, something about how one. like yeah something about how like he shoved a piece of wood down her throat it just got really gory and I don't I don't understand why this one's popular <laughs> yeah yeah y'all are fucked up <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it it just uses a lot of spooky imagery that if you try to take a literal meaning from it, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Um, and then uh, something about how the author's eyes are going to fall out, and he's trying to peel uh, peel his mouth apart like an arm. Yeah. It's like uh-huh. really gruesome. Um, <laughs> and it, it's like... It's one of those stories where at the end there's a little twist of like, Oh, and by you reading this, now you might be haunted by the Mummer Man, too. <laughs> and, like, that's that's fun in horror, I think. But, you know, yeah. there's better ideas. Uh, it, it, it was just all over the place. Like, I, I feel like... I think primarily it was popular on the podcast because of the performance. Okay, okay. That okay, makes no, sense. Uh, someone in the comments said Goblin Shark, and so I looked up oh, Goblin Shark. <laughs> that's probably that's, where I got it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I think that, like, looking at images of Goblin Sharks, uh, it looks like, yeah, they photoshopped an eye onto a Goblin Shark, perhaps. Um <laughs> Some of them have little snub noses, but others, the bottom part uh, does look more like a um, a dolphin's face. Uh, goblin shark is a horrible creature that looks like a shark trying to escape from its own body. It, yeah, it looks like a melting shark. Yeah, uh, and this is some sort of goblin shark man. <laughs> man. Uh, it's... it's it's a weird story. Oh, actually, yeah, someone does point out in the comments about the um the Philadelphia, the Mummers from Philadelphia. Oh, uh-huh. Um, so, I wonder where they got that name. I I really uh, don't know. I don't know either. Maybe, I think it might just be like an old-timey circus term. Um, mm. Or the author is from Philadelphia. Philadelphia, right, and then used it. Um, I did notice that kind of as the, as the last part went on, it felt like the author was, um, it felt like their mind was getting younger. Like they started talking about wanting their mum. Um, and just, just the way that they spoke or the way that they wrote, um, sounded like a child speaking. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so mummer is an old timey term for a mime. And, uh, there's British traditions called a, uh, a mummer's play, uh, strictly speaking, a mummer is an actor in a traditional seasonal folk play. Uh, the term is also humorously or derogatorily applied to any actor. Um, mm. I know, like many old-timey words, it came into a little more popular use because of A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, there is a continued prophecy about uh, someone called the Mummer's Dragon in mm. a, a Song of Ice and Fire. I believe. Let me make sure I'm getting that right. Because um, uh, the idea... There's uh, characters who speak... Yeah, Mummer's Dragon. It is um, There's characters who speak in, like, 
Rhyme and Riddle um, that are sort of conduits for foreshadowing in that series. And mm-hmm. one of them mentions a Mummer's Dragon, uh, among other, you know, named but not named characters. And then all of the fandom is like, we have to figure out what that uh, poem means and who the people are that are represented in it. Um, right. And the Mummer's Dragon is, I don't want to discuss it because it's sort of a spoiler. And also, I don't know if the show is doing anything with this character. Character who is the popularly mm. theorized Mummer's Dragon or not. <laughs> um, Best stay away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, this is how I took it. This is why I thought the uh, Crooked Man, um, because of the mime association. And then I'm looking right. at the Wikipedia page for mime, and the second picture is a dude in an all-red suit with a red top hat and a red umbrella, uh-huh. just like the Crooked Man. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's... It's very, um, yeah, but I think that would have been spookier than just this goblin shark. Than the goblin shark. (laughs) In a a red cloak. Um, (laughs) Did you like this story? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I did because I, I was hooked in the beginning. And then, like I said, once, once they were messing with the Ouija board and they, uh, said the poem and, and the mummer man appeared and Tara saw her, I feel like, and, and, you know, I don't know if this is what the author intended, but the narrator just kind of got crazier and crazier, and I just got lost. Mm. Um, there was, just, it, there was like a lot of gory imagery with that, like, alone is creepy, but stringing it all together just kind of confused me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, I'm trying to find the author of the story. Did, did we already talk about that? Um, um, I think we mentioned yeah, the Reddit is yeah, suddenly Satan. Right. Uh, yeah, and we found we already mentioned the author earlier. I wanted to find some like more information if there was like a sequel or something. The poem to me is the best part of this, and that first yes. part is really strong. Yes, um, I think it's very effective in horror when someone finds a spooky old book uh, or a spooky old Ouija board uh, yes. or, and a spooky old poem. <laughs> and then they're like, well, <laughs> let's just read it for fun and see what happens. Uh-huh. Um, the, yeah, the cover- and you don't expect anything to happen. But- yeah, ex- exactly. The characters don't expect like that anything is going to happen, of course, but then you as the reader, because you know you're reading a horror story, you're like, well, obviously they're going to get haunted by the subject of the poem, of course. Yes. Um, it's did you we covered it on the show back in August I have to say back in August even though it's currently August because the <laughs> episode comes out in a long time uh, we covered we covered a movie a Netflix exclusive Netflix original I guess is the way to put it um, not in that Netflix funded it but in that they imported it from Spain called Veronica that mm. is it is very much in the vein of like it's it's almost the same sequence of events. Characters mm. find an old Ouija board and read a spooky poem to get, except they're intentionally trying to get a supernatural effect, but then it goes right. Wrong. Yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting to me to see the way this is executed versus the way that's executed. I think um, 
I think that ultimately this is ineffective. And you said you listened to this one, right? Yes. Or you didn't listen to this. Okay. And how I, was I it listening to, the, to it? The audio performance. Uh, well, the the first part is really weird because he's doing it in such a like stilted, like crazy guy voice mm-hmm. that uh, it, it makes it it really pulled me out of it. And then the reading of the poem is really good. And then right. once everything goes crazy, that delivery worked really well. But right, once everything changed, lickety split. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It didn't pull me in in the beginning. It just, because the beginning has sort of natural language. Like, I'm a bibliophile. I love books. I love reading, and I love collecting books. Or at least, I used to. It's changed now, of course. Uh, Just, you know, it's very natural language, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't get crazy until the end, but the reading was crazy the whole time. Ah. It's one of the more popular narrators, Peter Lewis. Huh, interesting. I don't know, maybe worth a listen, but... Uh, I, I figured it would be good for us to cover because of its popularity. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, like, the imagery is great. The imagery is gory, creepy. I think just kind of the... Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of inconsistent. Right. Uh, so, what is your spookiest part of this story? The spookiest part is where everything changed. Um, and I felt like the, the narrator's kind of brain was just like degrading. You know, they were getting crazier and crazier. They just started to sound like a psychopath. Yeah. Um, talking about like, like the blood bubbling up and having the killer like sliding a knife across his belly and, um, just, yeah. just all sorts of crazy things. It's really gruesome in a way that I, uh, found surprising. Yes. Um, but, you know, it was fine. And <laughs> I think the spookiest part for me is definitely the poem. Um, especially the sort of eponymous line, Dost thou seek the mummer man? I mm. think that's really a good line. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it reminds me of, uh, wouldst thou like to live deliciously from the witch? <laughs> That's a good um, one. It's a I, I love these sort of old timey invitations where mm-hmm. you're like you wouldst thou dost thou seek the mower man? Like now I'm curious. Yeah. You're right. I guess I, yeah. I guess I it's do. kind of like a tease. It's like come here and we know you're curious. I guess come closer. I guess thy dost. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it, it it yeah, it's it's interesting to me because um normally I would I don't like poems, but I think that uh as part of a story it's very effective. And this style of poem is also really fun. Right. Uh, do we have any final thoughts before we move on to plugs? Um, not really. <laughs> okay, I got fine. so lost in this story. I <laughs> yeah. Oh well. I mean, it's it, there. That that's one of the issues with some creepypastas, especially no sleep stories, is uh-huh. they're written from the perspective of a character who's insane. So they have yes. sort of a non-linear narrative. Uh, right. And it can be but I agree follow. with right. I agree with what you said about how it did seem like kind of space and time was warped, and that's how I felt reading it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I guess that's if, if that's probably what the author intended, and mm-hmm. uh, therefore it is effective. But if that's not right. what you like in a story, then you know it's not. 
going to be enjoyable. <laughs> right. I mean, if that's what the author intended, they did a great job. Yeah. Uh, did I? Yes, I gave my spookiest part. We're in plugs now. Uh, you can tell the people where they can reach you or any uh, projects. Oh, I was doing recommendations uh, in for Pat, like in more recent episodes. I guess I haven't. Uh, we didn't do them for either of the last ones. But if you want to recommend a horror piece here in your last mm. little, uh, in your last episode here. Yeah. I mean, have you ever, I don't, you probably did look into some of the um, Junji Ito, like horror mangas. Yeah, uh, we covered the Enigma at Amigara Fault on, That's this, a good one. on this show a very long time ago. And I mm-hmm. own his collection of Uzumaki. Uh, I own his Cat Diary, uh, which is... Have you read uh, Junji Ito's Cat Diary? No, I haven't. It is an autobiographical comic, but it is still drawn like a horror comic. And uh-huh. it, is about, it is about him and his wife adopting these cats, uh, Yon and Mu. I don't oh. know their names. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, and it's oh, it's very cute and very fun, and it's also extremely funny because he, you know, uses the juxtaposition of spooky art with, uh, you know, it's just normal house life. Right, right. Yeah, um, yeah, his are good. I also read from the library Go, which is the uh, fish one. Mm-hmm, um, I read that one. <laughs> that one is. <laughs> I think overall, Uzumaki is my favorite, like big cohesive narrative of his. Right. Um, but the Gyo is crazy. Speaking of sharks, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's sharks with uh, nanobot spider legs, and there's corpses who, like. <laughs> <laughs> God, there's one scene in that that is so grim where a character has hung themselves from a ceiling fan. Yes. And Mm -hmm. because of the nature of the disease in it, the corpses expel gas. So Mm -hmm. this body starts farting and making the fan (laughs) spin. And it's just like spinning around the room super fast, propelled by farts. (laughs) And it's just so like... It's the the bleakest possible. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's no darker humor, I think, than Junji Ito humor. Yes, um, agreed. <laughs> I think, and I think my, everyone's. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. No, go ahead, please. I was gonna say, I think everyone's kind of had that thought. Like, what if sharks were to come up on land? Like, yeah, we'd exactly. all just be dead. <laughs> yeah. One thing I like about those his longer narratives, Gyo and Uzumaki, is that he pushes them all the way to the like farthest conclusion he fully yeah. explores the concept and takes it to the end of like this is what would happen to society right yes um, so good my, my personal favorite is probably Tomie uh, which is not a long story, but a series of separate related stories. It's mm-hmm. also a, a nine film long series in Japan. It's like, wow. It's one of those, um, sort of prestige things, uh, I guess comparable to like James Bond or Batman or something where an mm-hmm. actress, an actress really wants to get the title role of Tomie. Um, right. And it is a horror thing about a young girl, like a teen girl, who is cursed in such a way that she makes men want to cut her into pieces. Oh. <laughs> um, but then all of the pieces regrow into their own new Tomie. Um, oh, God. 
Yeah, and so each of these stories is about a different Tomie, and they explore this sort of idea um, very deeply. And it's just like I not I don't have enough gender studies education <laughs> to to pull apart Tomie, but just, it's like yeah. It's very interesting because in the first stories, it seems like she has no idea why people are treating her with violence, like she doesn't know what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. And then in the later stories, it seems like maybe she does. And there are also stories where she doesn't really know why people are treating her that way, but she's also like an asshole. So oh. it ends up being complicated <laughs> where you're like, I don't feel as bad as I should about this character. Right, you don't know how to feel pieces. about her. <laughs> yeah, and so it's it's very interesting. Uh, yeah. that, I think all of the currently extant Tomie stories are collected into one big hardcover book like Gyo and Uzumaki are. Uh, so I, I recommend going out and reading uh, Tomie. If you want just a taste, the recent collection Shiver, which is um, all of Junji Ito's favorite stories of his own. Overall, I don't like that collection very much, but it does have a pretty good Tomie story in it called Painter, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think is worth reading. Uh, didn't is... he do... Oops, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, didn't he do a Pokemon-related one as well? Uh, there were people who did fan art of Pokemon in his style. I don't know if he oh, did. Okay. I think he might have drawn a Pokemon. I want to look it up. I um, remember seeing it somewhere like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, he drew... Uh, yeah, he has drawn... I don't know officially, but he has uh-huh. drawn... Um, yes, he ha- it is official. He did a, a Pokemon... He did uh, commissions for the Pokemon company a few years ago. Oh, that's um, awesome. There's one where it's Gengar holding a woman uh, with its tongue. Um, there's... I think that it looks like there's another with Banette following a child down a dark alleyway. Um, Banette, yeah, Banette's the evolved form. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, that <laughs> his art definitely lends itself to some of Ghost the, types. <laughs> yeah. The, well, in general, I think the um, Pokemon, yeah, the Pokemon has some scary stuff in it. It does. But, uh, the, this project, this collaboration was called Kowa Poke, which means scary, mm. scary Pokemon. I like uh, it. Yeah. Uh, that's all we have to say here. Did you, uh, did you already plug your Twitter or not? Um, no, I don't think I did. You, uh, can check me out at, uh, B-Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, Miller, on Twitter. Okay, I'm on Mastodon, mastodon.cloud slash at JK, Snapchat and Instagram, Jeff JK. You can go to patreon.com slash Jeff JK to get... Uh, all of the past audio treats. There's some uh, stories that we've covered on the show that I read for you. There's a couple lost episodes and cut segments. There's um, a bunch of stuff from Seeing Reddit, my other podcast, which you can find at weaponizedlanguage.com. Sorry for that long gap that you heard guessed, but the audience won't hear it. I have, I'm trying <laughs> to replace filler words with just silences, because silences are very easy to remove when editing. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's it for this show. Join Creepypods the fan group on Facebook. You can talk about this show with fellow fans of it. Uh, I had a line, oh, dost thou seek the mummer man?